0: Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan. This week we discuss the latest episode of WandaVision and we discover that we are all Randall Park.
1: Hello! Danny Vincent. And I'm Tyler Borland. And this is Why Is With Ty and Dan,
0: which we still don't understand the title of. Womp womp. So let's start, like we always do, with the MCU news. The news this week is Morbius is still scheduled for January 21st, 2022.
1: Now, Danny, are you sure? Are you sure that's a thing? There hasn't been some other release that's been moved back? And we're going to get it moved again? Never say never. It could be moved again. Are we... Maybe we will... Are we going to get a February vampire movie? Uh, I hope so. Uh, just in time for, for
0: Valentine's yeah, Day? Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan. I think the Wolfman, very deep cut there. <laughs> the, the 2011 Wolfman movie came out in February. So maybe we could get a vampire movie in February. No, but seriously, there was really no MCU news this week besides, like, gossip and rumors and Instagram posts from actors. So we don't really have much to discuss here, which is nice because we have a lot to discuss in this week's episode of Wandavision. But before we get to that, let's talk about in the Green Room. So what did what did you
1: watch today that was non MCU? Uh
0: well this week I watched
1: Or this week, not today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: uh this week I watched Boy State, which is a documentary that is it's got a lot of buzz. I think it actually holds the record for, um, do you know how Sundance works? Kind of, yeah. Uh, it's like yeah. a festival. And so, like, the people make the movies, and then they sell the movies to a distributor. And Boy State actually broke the record for the biggest sale of a documentary ever. It sold for $12 million. Wow. Uh, which is a lot, because documentaries don't no. make a lot of money. No. Uh, but if you watch the documentary, you'd understand why. Because it is, um, it's a very interesting documentary. It's about uh, annual competition where a bunch of high schoolers go to the Capitol. Uh, well, every state has it, but this one takes place in Texas. And they go, a bunch of young men in high school go to the Capitol and try to form a government in a week. So they, repre- they form a party platform, they, rep- they elect representatives, they elect a party chair, and they elect someone to run for governor. And the end of the week is the election for who will win governor. Uh, And the documentary is kind of about how uh, people will sacrifice their voice to go further in politics and how even people in high school just view politics as like this hyper-partisan thing uh, where they're not necessarily going with what they believe or even what they think a majority of people believe. They go with what they think will energize their base And give them more power. Uh, It's a really fascinating documentary, and unfortunately, it's on Apple TV Plus, which I am the only person I know who has Apple TV Plus. And the only reason I have Apple TV Plus is because I got a new iPhone last January, and they gave it to you for free for a few months if you got a new iPhone. Uh, So if you get a free trial of Apple TV Plus, I gotta recommend Boy State, uh, the TV show Ted Lasso. Which, actually, you would well, really like, Tyler. I've,
1: I've got it's about Apple a... TV+, Plus, and I've seen Ted Lasso, but uh, the the other 15 streaming services that are out there have been keeping me away from Apple TV+. Plus. Um,
0: oh, well, you should watch Boy State. Uh, it's really good. And then you should also watch Wolf Walkers. Those are the two really good movies that are on the service, in my opinion. Wolf Walkers is an animated movie from Ireland, uh, it's traditionally animated and it's really beautiful. Uh, I was lucky enough to see it in a theater, uh, before theaters closed here. And I, my mind was blown by just like how beautifully it was animated. I was like, I didn't know they made movies this pretty anymore. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Boy State, very good documentary. Uh, if you have Apple TV plus, check it out. If you don't have Apple TV plus, I don't recommend you get it. Cause there's literally two movies in a TV show that are well, there's another TV show I like on it too, Central Park. But I like it because it's about musicals, and I don't necessarily recommend it for everyone. But anyway, uh, if you have it on TV Plus, check out Boy State. What about you, Tyler? What'd you watch? I watched uh, the first Hobbit movie,
1: uh, The Hobbit and Unexpected Journey. Uh, and unexpected um, Watch. I, <laughs> it it really it really was. Uh, my wife actually got me into watching them. Like these are movies. That I was I read the books when I was in like seventh and eighth grade, Um, so that's like 13, 14 years old, and then I I, that's when the the original Lord of the Rings movies were were coming out, and I was really big into those at that time, and I just kind of moved on moved on to other things, Uh, and The Hobbit came out I think when I when I was in college, and I did not catch catch those movies. Um, I also when did you at that point, high
0: school? When did you graduate? Sorry, <laughs> it was I 2012. It was 2012. Okay, okay, okay. So, yeah, okay. I have an encyclopedic knowledge of when movies came out. That's why I was like, "Are you sure?" Because I was in high school during then, and I just remembered that you're you're older than me. So I'm like, "Whoops." Uh, but anyway, go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I I also had this
1: thing where I was like, it's one. It's one book. The Hobbit is one book, and they don't need to make three movies out of it. That being said, I did enjoy this movie overall, um, and it was actually nostalgic for me. It brought me back to watching, like, watching the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, and uh, so it took me back to thirteen-year-old Tyler. And uh, I will so say you, that it so- was it was very evident when the script broke from the book, from what the book had. Um, now that's me that's me knowing what the book had in it um but it still flowed very well together and uh yeah' Are you gonna so, watch
0: the later ones that i'm guessing
1: uh, yeah we're we're actually watching uh we're actually watching all of the Hobbit films and then we will watch the, the Lord of the Rings so uh my wife has never seen these before and she actually suggested them so I thought, okay, sure, You know why not? Um,
0: embarrassing, uh, embarrassing admitting for me, as the movie guy, uh, I've actually never seen Return of the King. Uh, and I have a reason for it. And it's that I saw Fellowship, I really liked it, uh, but my dad only owned the extended editions of Two Towers and Return of the King. Mm-hmm. And the, I don't know if you have the DVDs. But the extended editions don't actually let you watch the original cut. Like, you can skip the new scenes, but the extended scenes are just extended. Like, now, we you can't skip them. And even just skipping yeah. the new scenes really were just... I was just like, this doesn't flow well. Uh, and I know it's not the movie's fault because the extended things are meant to be watched after you see the original ones because no one actually wants a four-hour movie. Uh, so... Someday, uh, actually, I, that's on my bucket list for this year. I wanna, That's my New Year's resolution. is I want to finally watch Lord of the Rings movies. Because I know they're on HBO Max as non-extended versions. Mm. And so I'm like, I will finally watch The Two Towers in a way I think I'll like. And then I will finally watch Return of the King. Uh, but yeah, that, that's my embarrassing Lord of the Rings story. I've seen all the Hobbit movies, though, because I saw them in theaters. <laughs> so I didn't need to worry about them being extended. Even though uh, you have you seen the Hobbit movies, this is your first time watching, them, right?
1: Well, okay, so I saw, I saw um, the Desolation of Smaug, which is the second one. I saw that. It was the very first Hobbit movie that I saw, and I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Had no idea where the last movie had left off, but I had read the book, so I had I had a general idea of, of where we were in the story. I fantastic performances by uh benedict cumberbatch and martin freeman i saw the third movie that i saw that one in theaters and i don't think i've seen it since Be- i was not a fan of that one but i think i might enjoy it more this time around now that i have watched the first movie so i understand these added plot lines are you watching the uh the original cuts or the extended we're, cuts? we're watching the extended cuts okay um, so we
0: uh, <laughs> we watched... You know, the third one is rated R, right? Is it really? <laughs> yeah, the, the extended version is, which is really I funny because no the Hobbit is like a kids' book. So right? I, I don't get it.
1: <laughs> but but, uh,
0: uh, but yeah, we've actually got quite a
1: few Marvel. I, they're not all MCU because um, obviously Ian McKellen was Magneto and Fox's X Men, but there's Ian McKellen, Kate Blanchett, Hugo Weaving, Martin Freeman, Benedict Cumberbatch. uh, Uh, If I remember
0: right, actually, sorry, if I remember right, Richard Armitage, who's like the lead of the movie besides Martin Freeman, he's in uh, Captain America 1. He's the guy who uh, kills Stanley Tucci. Uh, Oh, he is. Yeah, it's like a very small role. That's why I'm like, but I remember when Hobbit came out, I was like, oh, I know this guy from somewhere. What do I know him from? And then it was like, oh, yeah, he's got a big, a bit part in Captain America. Huh. Uh, but anyway, that's just a side note. Uh, but yeah, no,
1: yeah. The, like it just watching. There's a scene where, and I think it's one of the extended scenes where Ian McKellen, uh, Kate Blanchett, Hugo Weaving, and. Uh, no, it's. It, no, and. Uh, oh, I can't think of who plays uh, Saruman. Uh oh, Christopher Lee's. Christopher Lee, Lee. yes. Yeah. Fantastic, just straight up fantastic acting like having all four of those people all in the same scene together acting and the way that it's shot is it's shot very much to where you see all four of them on screen at all times and i i wanted to keep going back and just watching the scene over and over again to watch each individual character because they all are reacting to everyone else and they've all got their own motives it was it's yeah i'm nerding out right you know yeah, nerding out uh, here but from a from a directorial stance that scene it, the scene was awesome
0: yeah i feel like i should well first i gotta watch the Rings movies but if i ever revisit the hobbit movies i think my opinion on them will be the opposite of when i was watching them because uh, i remember when i was when they were coming out i was like i liked i didn't like the first one much i thought the second one was all right and then the third one i was like eh, it was entertaining which is more than i could say really about the other two for me but I have a feeling that if I ever rewatch them, uh, I will like th- the first one more. Because if I remember it right, the first one is slower paced, and I was, that was that was what my issue was. Was like it's so clear they stretches out the three three movies when it's one book. Uh, mm-hmm. But in retrospect, uh, like the third movie is just all action, no real story. So yeah. I think I would appreciate more us having a more leisurely place. Because I think the first Lord of the Rings movie also has a somewhat leisurely place pace. And that's what I liked about it uh, because it really immersed you into the world of middle earth. Uh,
1: well, it, it really, you, you, got to build, uh, I will say that this, the first Hobbit movie really, it builds Martin Freeman's character. Also, it's yeah, kind of an afterthought of the last one. There's the, there's a scene in the first, yeah, uh, in this one, in an unexpected journey, where Martin Freeman is acting with all CGI, like the trolls are on camera, and he, the way that he reacts, and uh, he's trying to get a sword off of one of the trolls without them noticing, and the way that he reacts to what the trolls are doing, and I'm, I'm thinking, this, you know, Martin Freeman, this actor can't see what these trolls are doing because obviously they don't have. This troll built, you know, it's all, yeah, all done in post. But seeing the way that he was acting and and reacting, it it was just fantastic acting, just fantastic performances all I think, throughout.
0: I think Will, what you just mentioned there is kind of a reason why I don't think the Hobbit movies will be well remembered, uh, at least compared to the original. Well, obviously the originals are like considered like top twenty movies ever made. You know what I mean? Uh, but also I think. I remember thinking that when I saw it was that The Hobbit was really the last of the big push of CGI is always better. And then afterwards, uh, the new Star Wars movies and uh, Fury Road came out. And it was like, no, practical stuff is really cool. Because if you watch The Hobbit movies, they're just all like... It's very CGI. At points, it looks like a video game. And I don't think it looks great all the time. Uh, There's some really good effects in there, don't get me wrong. But like, you watch... I can even just watch clips from the original Lord of the Rings and be like, nah, those trolls look, or orcs look like more there. Uh, and I think that's kind of interesting in a way, in a way that's really irrelevant to anyone listening to this, I guess. But you think about it, the, it really was the last big CGI-filled movies, besides, I guess, the Planet of the Apes movies. Or, let me, it's not, obviously a movies full of CGI now, but it's the last big one where it was like, all cgi we don't want practical stuff. And I think that's interesting. I think yeah. the Hobbit movies very much represent an end of an era between, say, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies and the Hobbit movies. And then the new Star Wars movies really kicked off a new era of the type of movie we get. You know what I mean? Like the type of special effects yeah.
1: movies. So moving on to our discussion now for WandaVision episode four, spoiler alert, there are possible spoilers for future episodes, and obviously spoilers for episodes 1, 2, 3, and 4 of WandaVision.
0: To be clear, though, the, the possible spoilers are all speculation. We don't have any inside info here other than what's in the trailers. Unless you looked at leaks, Tyler. But we
1: will claim, <laughs> if we are right on anything, we will claim all knowledge. Yeah. As um, having it. So. If it's
0: Baron Mordo, you heard it from me, guys, last week. Just remember that. <laughs> if, and if it's Mephisto, <laughs> I got your back. So, Alright, so we're going to discuss WandaVision Episode 4, which is titled We Interrupt This Program, which is a fitting title. But I want to talk first about the episode description, which was Monica Rambeau, tasked with a special assignment regarding sentient weapons, goes missing. And I want to talk about this because first off, when we f- when I saw the episode description, I always I don't watch these episodes till after work. But in the morning, I'm like, oh, let's see how long the episode is. I do I did that for Mando also because you know these episode links are never like consistent on Disney Plus shows. But anyway, I looked at it, and I was like, huh, that seems to be a very spoilerly uh, episode description because like Mando would be something just like. The Mandalorian decides to go to an ice planet and like that would be it it would tell you nothing about what was going right. to happen and this is just like uh so this character who you've only known as Geraldine in this show is actually named Monica Rambeau and uh we're doing a flashback episode just so you know whereas like if if like if this was a Mando episode the episode description would have been everything is not as it seems for Geraldine and it would just been that <laughs> and i thought yeah. like that was my takeaway on friday morning before i even watched the episode i was like ooh this must be a really big episode if they feel comfortable enough telling me this before i watch it
1: <laughs> yeah i i first when i first saw uh it mentioned the description mentioned sentient weapon that really that immediately made me think of vision and I thought, okay, well, so she's on a mission to, uh, to track, to track down Vision because he's he's somehow alive. I you know I wasn't sure there, so it it didn't necessarily give everything away. But like you said,
0: it was just pretty much like. Well, I mean, it, if it, we, hey, we we know it's Monica Rambeau because we yeah. pay attention to the news. I think I like last week Geraldine was trending on Twitter. Like that's what everyone like the normies. Viewer uh, character as Geraldine So I'm, I'm a normie and I'm just checking the Disney Plus I'm like who's Monica Rambo? Is it that girl from Captain Marvel Why is she in this show now And they'd be like oh It's this character you met from the last two episodes Oh no the last No it's the last two episodes I forget that episode one and two were separate episodes Whoops. <laughs> but yeah But anyway uh, But yeah what's a sentient weapon I don't know what that is. Maybe it's Vision. <laughs> You're right. Uh, um,
1: so, well, I actually want to get into... Uh, speaking of sentient weapons, I want to get into the acronym of S.W.O.R.D. Which becomes very um,
0: important this episode compared to previous ones. It's like, oh, there's a S.W.O.R.D. on their clothes or on the helicopter. For those who aren't aware, S.W.O.R.D. has is basically the new S.H.I.E.L.D. My impression from this episode was that S.W.O.R.D. was a separate thing entirely. Uh, S.W.O.R.D. was probably... But my perception was is that because we hear it's founded by Monica's mom, whose name I'm totally blanking on, and so that to That's me implies true. that That's it's been true. around for a while, probably when Shield was around because she knew Nick Fury. In fact, now I'm wanna, I want I want to know the story of how these relate to each other because she knew Nick Fury and she was like, "No, I'm making my own organization." So uh, I'm I'm thinking like remembering Captain Marvel.
1: Uh, I didn't think that this conversation would take us to, all the way back to Captain Marvel, but go. Uh, well, I'm talk to about later. With me, <laughs> like, <go> so on. <laughs> uh, So in like, sword would be the response that an air force pilot would take, right? Yeah. You, so that makes total that makes total sense as to uh, as to what yeah. Oh wait as wait to wait its origins.
0: Tell tell the uh tell the folks at home what the difference between the MCU one and the comic one is. Cause I think I cut you off before you could do that.
1: Sure. So the sword acronym in the MCU is Sentient Weapon Observation Response Division, whereas the sword acronym in the comics is Sentient World Observation and Response Department.
0: That's interesting. I I had to notice that department and division are different. That kind of makes me laugh. Like it's like.
1: Yeah, I noted I noticed that and I thought department sounds more like it's it's like it's own, like the defense department or you know uh something that's built into the government which I I imagine swords built into the government somehow. Um uh, but in the MCU with it being a division what are they a division of? Are they a division of the Air Force or you know are they a division of one of the
0: military I branches? just uh so I just googled okay Uh, literally right now and I see that the trivia for the MCU wiki says that the comics sword is very blatantly a subdivision of SHIELD so perhaps that's why it's like the department whereas SHIELD the D in SHIELD already stands for division so this is us having it be a separate like an entire Mm -hmm. separate organization Okay. Uh, maybe you said that when I was looking up the info so I'm sorry for the people at home for me literally repeating what Tyler just said (laughs) Echo, no. Uh But, uh, but
1: yeah, like, that... uh, But, I mean, this explains the episode description talking about the sentient weapon. Because it very clearly, I mean, now that we know after the episode, uh, we know that Monica was on a mission for S.W.O.R.D. Um, Although
0: I want to say also, quickly, I think it's interesting, because I remember there was speculation about S.W.O.R.D. Being a part of these at the far from home post credit scene with Nick Fury in space, Uh, but judging off what we just said with this being sentient weapons, uh, it it, sorry, from what we heard from this being sentient weapons, I don't think that would be sword then because that the space stuff is the world right it doesn't have anything, that's to do with true. anything else that's true that's true yeah and i don't know was the
1: post-credit scene in far from home was that actually confirmed as being sword or was it
0: just no it wasn't it was just speculation. Right. so because it's like why is nick fury in a so spaceship? really
1: he's with we know that nick fury is with the scrolls and not necessarily with sword uh so yeah um so what it
0: well yeah yeah I guess it's more like it. That's outdated. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So what
1: did what did you think of that cold open?
0: Ooh. Okay. Okay. So I don't know if you remember. A few weeks ago, I was like, ah, I can't wait to talk about Marvel cold opens, and this episode gave it to me. Uh, so first off, the art of the cold open, of course, originates from television because it always is like, here's uh, the thing, you know, here's. Uh, Here's about the episode and then we're gonna have the opening titles and then we're gonna jump back in the episode and WandaVision has done those but they haven't done what I call the MCU cold open uh I have a very weird opinion on studio logos this is this is me this is a very random side rant but it has to relate to this uh is that in my opinion studio logos are outdated I think movies would be way better if I walked in the theater, just heard a bit of music, and just had a card appear, like in the style of the film, that's like, Paramount Pictures presents, because you get those anyway with studio logos, right? It's usually, it's like the logo pops up, and it's like, Disney presents a Pixar animation studio film. It's like, no, but you just showed me the logos. Uh, I don't think we need logos anymore. I think we've progressed past the need for logos. Yeah. But but my point here is, is that Marvel, I believe, yeah, was starting with Guardians of the Galaxy, started doing these cold opens before their logos so when the logo popped up it'd be like oh like to me it was just so cool because you know like the movie theater is always just like make sure you silence your phone and then it's like immediately into the movie you get thrown in the movie and then you get the marvel logo and it's because it's become something where now i always look at the marvel cold open they don't all have them now but when they do i'm like yeah this is cool uh in particular, uh, I think Endgame has a really good one. That's the one that always yeah. sticks out to me. Yeah, that's actually what I, that's
1: what I was gonna say. Endgame has my favorite cold open. It sets sets the tone
0: right away. Endgame is a good one, and then Guardians one it has, Guardians Guardians yeah. is the first one, but Guardians one like set the thing. The one I hate the most, uh, I can tell you right now, the worst one is Ant Man. Ant Man has the worst Marvel cold open. And it's because it is a completely unrelated to the rest of the story of Cameo. That's like, hey, just so you know, this Michael Douglas character, he knew Agent Carter and uh, Tony Stark's dad. So you better respect this movie. And I'm just like, we didn't need this. Nothing. This is just you showing off your uh, visual effects stuff. It's dumb. Civil War has a good one, too. But we'll talk about that when we talk about Civil War soon. Uh, But anyway, I love the Marvel Cold Open. And... It was not. It, to me, you know how you said the first week you like felt chills seeing the logo. To me, yeah. This week when the logo popped, I was like, There was a Marvel cold open. I got one again. It's been so long." Uh. I. and it was a good cold open too like this cold open was a great marvel cold open it wasn't a wasted one it was very deserved to be a cold open but anyway what are you gonna say well i i was gonna say i remember you getting text last
1: night and you're like oh my gosh i can't wait i'm watching it and then i'm just getting like i'm just getting ah and oh and oh my gosh i have so much to talk about It, it was just incomplete sentences of excitement coming from danny
0: and I, I, if I remember, I literally texted you once the logo was done. I was like, I just got to the logo and I'm already yeah. ready to talk about this yeah, episode. you were like, cause Cause the, I got logo. To the logo and I'm like, the logo, what are you talking about? Because <laughs> yeah. the cold open had happened. And uh, I also want to talk about the cold open uh, in general in that the thing that's great about cold open is it's kind of like, so the cold open can I be used to really like lull you into the story or just shock you uh like for a good one for lulling you into the story guardians 2's cold open is like it's just kurt russell with peter's mom and they're dancing the brand not dancing they're singing the brandy and then it like goes the marvel logo i don't remember what triggers the marvel logo there but we do go to the marvel logo Um, but then in this one it really like so to me the opening shot of this episode is uh monica becoming unsnapped or as they call it, the blip. But to me, this immediately follows the previous episode, right? And there's no context of it being a flashback. And I'd heard rumors, um, I don't know anything about Monica Rambo, but I've heard that she at some point in the comics becomes like an actual superhero. Which I feel like isn't a spoiler to say because my my response there is we know she's gonna become a superhero here and uh my, my go-to there with me saying, this person might become a superhero, is the Deadpool movies. His girlfriend is a superhero in the comics, and she's not once been a, gr- a superhero in either of the movies. So it's just, like, a p- bit of info. But anyway, my point was she, like, reforms from the snap. And I was like, ooh, is this, like, her superpower? And she's, like, waking up from uh, being pushed out of Wanda's world. And I was like, no. Nope, that's that's what I, I, I see- thought.
1: I thought she, got, she was, dis- like, disintegrated or something after landing in the real world. I thought yeah. she had faded away
0: or something. Yeah, but then we see everyone else in this hospital start reforming out of nowhere. I'm just like, i like, oh my gosh, we're back at the unsnap. This is amazing, and we're actually seeing the chaos of the moment. It's mm-hmm. not like uh, my my thing that my, my thing. I'm going to rant probably, not a lot, but I don't think Far From Home is a good movie. I know, right? A Marvel podcast and the, the co-host doesn't think every Marvel movie is great. I think Far From Home is a very mediocre movie at points bad. And one of its worst defenses is that it comes immediately after Endgame, which was meant to be this ground shaking, uh, wham episode of the MCU that will never be the same afterwards. And it immediately just makes a joke out of everything that happened in it. I don't even think Whenever we get Guardians 3, it will make a joke off of Endgame, um, because it's, Gamora died in Endgame, like, you know, like, you know what I mean, like, there's actual, uh, consequences to it, and the thing is, there is actual consequences to Spider-Man in Endgame, because, uh, you know, his, um, his mentor died, and that's what, sorry, I could really rant about, uh, uh, Far From Home and Missed Opportunities, uh mainly in the case that none of his fr- all of his friends who were close to him somehow got snapped too and none of their families had any issues financially in the last five years they're all just like well here we are back at school that was weird the technology's a little different but all right like but anyway um, meanwhile in this it's like she's back it's like oh your mom she died three years ago and also we all thought you were dead too. And I can't believe you're back. And it's just like, that is the impact we need. Even though we don't even, all we know of Monica is we saw her when she was like eight or nine in the 90s. And, yeah. But we're told, I think at least you were told her Monica she's Monica Rambo before we were told that her mom died. So that's when that hits us is that she doesn't even get to say goodbye to her mom, who is literally the only connection we have to her. Um, so I was like, wow, this cold open already made me like, care more about this character than both Spider-Man Far From Home made me care about the Snap's consequences but also uh, I'm not a huge fan of Captain Marvel. I like it more than Far From Home. Um, but it this made me care more about her than all of Captain Marvel did too. But also she's an actual character and not just a cute kid so I guess that's not really something to compare to. But my point <laughs> is what a cold open what a great scene it is exactly what i wanted from the mcu post end game and i hope we get more of um i don't think we'll get more of here really but in falcon and winter soldier i really hope we get some of that too um saying well you were gone for five years and now you gotta deal with the consequences right
1: right so anyway
0: right. that there's me yeah i i gushing I... over this cold open <laughs> <laughs> this this cold
1: open it was very very realistic and definitely not as light as far from home but it works very well i i didn't even think about the uh hospitals being overloaded at capacity and i'm, I'm like well I, I assume people who were in surgery or when the blip happened uh you know people who were uh people who had all this pain i don't assume that that pain is gone you know if someone had uh, a disease before Thanos snapped his fingers I don't think that it would be gone when they come back because I believe you come back in the current state or in the yeah, state that you uh, were when you were blipped
0: if I remember, so if I remember like Kevin Feige as I call him uh once I said uh after Endgame came out he was like yeah when they were unsnapped Well, the only thing he clarified was is that Hulk wasn't stupid enough to unsnap people who were like in planes in the midair and they just fall to the ground. That was really the only thing he clarified. He was like, (laughs) "No, he he didn't just he didn't bring people back to immediately kill them. That's not he he snapped to bring people back, not bring people back and have there be mass casualties because of it. Although I don't know how that really happens. What if you get snapped back and you get like in the middle of the street and there's a car coming right towards you? right I'm just saying, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> but i i also
1: appreciated the finality of uh monica's mother's death All, yeah. albeit grim and sad it was it was a nice tie-in to it was a nice callback to prior films which by the way this episode did really well with yeah. um but, uh, but yeah uh it it had a really really nice uh flow through the timeline but uh it was really, say, it was, it was yeah. nice finality to monica's mother's story although we don't get a full you know, I, full-fledged story we still get a beginning of where we met her in captain marvel and then an end
0: i hope that and this is me saying something about a movie that i was not really excited for until uh The director got involved and they announced that miss marvel would be in it and now i guess i'm excited that uh monica will be in there too because she seems pretty cool off of this episode but anyway uh i'm curious if captain marvel 2 will address her death more because i'm curious if uh carol ever reunited with her before she died with becoming reconnected to earth yeah uh i wouldn't mind even like a flashback scene of Carol comforting her after Monica got snapped. I think that would be a really great moment to include if it can be relevant to the plot. Uh, obviously, we won't know until, I think, that's scheduled for next year. We'll see, like I say, of all these <laughs> release dates yeah. for movies. Uh, but now I'm very into, like, yeah, I'm wondering what's gonna happen here. With that, uh, you know, so... So, what it the
1: overall tone of the episode to me had captain America winter soldier vibes. Like I got a, not necessarily a, I got a spy mystery is what I, is what I wrote down, but I, it was more of a, I don't want to say thriller, but it was very, very fast, uh, fast paced action. And, uh, yeah. So what were what were your thoughts? Well,
0: I'm going to say the last word you just said, repeat it back to you and ask you, uh, what you mean by the word action in this episode? Because there wasn't an action, and that to me is what sticks out to me about Winter... I'm not saying that it's a bad... I think this was a really great episode. I even comparing it to Winter Soldier is odd, because to me the defining part of Winter Soldier is the Russo style of direct uh, uh, directing action. Uh, and this episode okay. had no action. Uh, this to me reminded me of a more well-done version of like the Thor subplot with Agent Coulson. Uh, and I actually don't mind the Thor subplot with Agent Coulson. I think it's... A better like iron man 2 has something like that too and i think this does it way better than iron man 2 does thor does it way better than iron man 2 does and i thought this did it way better than thor did and granted the thor tone also came in with darcy's return uh yeah. that's where i was like this really reminds me of thor one but again not in a bad sense because even though i'm not super big on thor one uh i think all of the phase one marvel movies besides like incredible hulk have a certain level of nostalgia for me if just because of how simple they are compared to today. Even Iron Man 2, which was all... I don't remember, like, the criticisms from 2010. The big criticism of Iron Man 2 at the time was, like, this is setting up the Avengers too much. But now watching it, it's just like, wow, this is still really standalone compared to what we get in the MCU now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Compared to... Besides, like, the Guardians movies. The Guardians movies are standalone. But besides that, everything is very interconnected. And even though this was interconnected, it was interconnected in a sense that, like... These were all minor characters that we've met before who make sense to be working with each other, even if we haven't seen that happen.
1: Right. Uh, right. This is this is more of what, like, this is what an Agents of S.W.O.R.D. Like, if we would get an Agents of S.W.O.R.D. series, I would watch it with Wu and Darcy. I actually like,
0: saw, yeah, I saw a great tweet that was like, uh, so Disney+, Plus when's the Agents of S.W.O.R.D. show with, as you said, Wu, Darcy, and... uh and they said Monica they would want Monica in it too yeah, uh, ah Jimmy Woo. I love Jimmy Woo, ah, but we'll we'll get to talking about Jimmy Woo and my my deep love of Randall Park, which if you guys remember from the pilot episode, I was just like, I'm pretty sure it's Randall Park on the radio, and it was I win, you lose Tyler <laughs> <laughs> so, so well, um...
1: Speaking of that, so the story did not move forward in time from the ending of episode three, but the plot definitely thickened. Yeah. So it, uh, it developed a lot more.
0: I think it will be very interesting now. Uh, this is me jumping ahead to speculation. You know I hate speculation, uh, but I'm actually going to do it a bit now. I think it's interesting because everyone just assumed that the first six episodes of the show would be decades that we know they're going to do of sitcoms which was which are 60s 70s 80s 90s and 10s well okay actually here's the thing about that that was always weird to me is that they're actually doing seven decades i've skipped 2000s in my counting uh just the odds yeah as they say uh so now i'm curious what the progression is going to be there Because I also don't think we're going to get full episodes anymore of the sitcom. Besides maybe the Halloween episode. I think the Halloween episode will be the only full sitcom episode we get now. Because I think from now on we're going to be cutting back and forth between the real world and Westview. Which is fine. Uh, I think this episode is a very necessary way to do that. And even though it was exposition focused, I think exposition... Do you want to... Well, I won't, I won't give a long rant about exposition and Nolan. Christopher, Nolan. Christopher Nolan is who I think of when I think of exposition. And I think his movies, The Exposition, stands out because his characters that give exposition are generally designed just to give exposition. I think both Cat Dennings and uh, Randall Park are charismatic enough actors that an episode of exposition coming from them is still incredibly watchable. Yeah. Um, and even and if they did this weekly, I'd be like, "All right, let's let's not." Uh, but at, honestly, by the end of this episode, I think we have enough explained to us besides the obvious big mysteries of the show, like what is what is Agnes's role in this, and what is there? Well, what I is thought... Vision's autonomy in this? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, well, but those are speaking, questions that can that, run the show. Well, speaking yeah. of visions, Vision's autonomy. What did you think of when Wanda? Turns to him after she expels Monica, and she turns to him, and he looks very—he looks very much like how he looked at the end of Infinity War.
0: Oh, if we want to jump ahead, we can. Uh, my 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 thought there was well, I'll put it this way: is there were two moments in the episode, one of which was the cold open, which we've already discussed, uh, where I basically sat up and was like, yes. Uh, and the other moment was the shot of Dead Vision. Uh, it was such... It's such a move that I am not expecting from this show that even though it's... So this is being described as like a, kind of a mystery horror show from the MCU. And Disney+, Plus. as I've said before, like when we were talking about how I don't think R-rated content will ever be on... Well, I know R-rated content won't be on Disney+, Plus, but I don't think Disney's going to make R-rated content for hulu for mcu stuff but my my point here is more that i if children are watching the show it was very much a jump scare to me and i was like oh my god i don't even know yeah. what vision just said to me <laughs> but it was such a great moment especially following what precedes it because i don't know if we want to talk about this before we talk about Jimmy Woo and Darcy because I do want to talk about them a bit more Mm -hmm. but I think this episode kind of posits that the villain of this enterprise is Wanda Uh, and even if other people are behind it I think first and foremost our villain of this show is Wanda which is going to be very interesting because I think eventually Vision will discover that and have to be against her because that's just what Vision is Vision is he is programmed to be good you know he cannot not be good he cannot be corrupted even by love so
1: in age of ultron vision talks about how he's on the side of of good he's not necessarily on the side of the avengers or ultron um he doesn't really pick sides it's for like it's whatever is for the betterment um of humanity i feel like i'm botching that up (laughs) I'm putting words in his mouth. But... Uh, it's a but really... No, it's a, a scene really of...
0: Good... You're talking about the best scene of Ultron. Uh, but I don't remember exactly what he says either. Uh, <laughs> but that's like... well, the, but that, People talk about ugh, Age of Ultron as being like this flawed movie. And it is. Uh, but I think the scene you're talking about where Ultron and Vision have like a final chat before Ultron... Uh, air quote dies. Oh, I was talking
1: uh, about when. Uh, oh, you're not first, talking about that scene. First, Oops. <laughs> when when Vision is that is a really good scene though. But when Vision is first, uh when he first comes to life, and I believe he's talking to is he talking to Cap? He's either talking to Cap or Thor, and they ask him, "Are are you on our side?" And then he says, "I'm on no one's no one's side. Oh, I'm on the side of life." Yeah, yeah, that's what he says. Uh, so yeah,
0: which is so, what now he's dead, and it's like right, it's disturbing. But <laughs>
1: well, I did, I did think that seeing uh, seeing Dead Vision, I thought that that was a really nice, uh, not a hint, but almost an Easter egg, but like to uh, to Marvel Comics with the uh, the Marvel Zombies, uh, where all the heroes are zombies. I thought that was really, really nice. There, we also got something like that with the Iron Man in Far From Home when Mysterio has Spider Man uh, wigging out. And but, you know we're uh, gonna get
0: a, we're getting a zombies episode this summer, right? You in what if, it? In what it? Yeah, yeah what if there's what gonna if. be a, a zombies yeah. episode? So yep. hopefully so, uh, we get uh, the return of Zombie Vision, and Zombie Iron Man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hopefully we get some more Dead Vision. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I love that, Dead Vision. I don't know the the Dead Vision us seeing dead vision that uh that gives more credibility to the theory that wanda found his dead body like like got his dead body and gave life to it within the reality i want to
0: say that well i i don't think it's a theory anymore i think that's pretty much confirmed by this episode uh, but I wasn't surprised it was confirmed by this episode because I read an interview by Paul Bettany, which really cracked me up because, well, I'll just tell you what it was. And then it's like, he's like, Endgame was supposed to have a post credit scene where Wanda discovers my body in a morgue. And I was like, dude, that would have been a lame post credit scene for Endgame. End- Endgame was supposed right? to have a post credit scene. Although, sidebar about Endgame and Paul Bettany, I still think it's absolutely ludicrous that they went back to 2012, they couldn't find time to give Jarvis a line, just so Paul Bettany could get a really cool credit, because everyone else in the MCU got an awesome credit in that movie, except for Paul Bettany and Clark Gregg, and then you couldn't fit Clark Gregg in the movie, that's fine, I understand, but you could have given Jarvis a line and given Vision a credit, it would have been didn't,
1: nice. didn't even, didn't Jane Foster...
0: Like, yeah, she, she, yeah she has yeah, a cameo footage, yeah for her yeah.
1: footage and it was leftover footage from thor she gets too. a cool credit paul yeah. bettany
0: didn't though so whatever i guess uh, i didn't get it <laughs> yeah the thing is with clark Gregg, it's like okay i get it uh the times they go to he's dead it doesn't make any sense for him to be there but for Jar- you could have given jarvis a quick line so paul bettany gets a cool credit but anyway, I'm still bummed up on Venony's behalf. And when he's when that news broke, he's like, I was gonna be the post-credit scene of Endgame. I was like, well, I don't think he would have still got a credit out of that, so I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I, I I agree that Wanda has somehow discovered his corpse. And I'm wondering when this show is supposed to take place, because it's framed as directly post endgame, I feel like. But I feel like well okay so she needs to get Vision's body somehow from wherever that is and moreover I feel like her scene at the end of Endgame of Hawkeye does not necessarily imply that she is going to go be I don't want to say evil because we don't really know she's evil but I do think she's an antagonist uh, in this show now uh, but anyway I, I'm curious and I hope the show flushes it out a bit more an idea I was seeing floating around, but I don't think it will happen because he has his own show is that Hawkeye would come in and cameo at some point near the end of this. Cause he and uh, Wanda act if Wanda has a relationship with anyone in the MCU besides vision, it's Hawkeye. Right. That's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he would fit in near the end. But my thing is, is I think he's got his own show going on. So it'd be very, I don't want to be like Jeremy Renner overload. But I don't know if Jeremy Renner would be like, y'all yeah, do your Disney plus show, but I'm not going to do another Disney plus show. You know what I mean? Yeah, like these are movie stars who don't necessarily want to be on TV. Well, honestly, I'd say the only one who's like a movie star is getting get TV show is Tom Huddleston. I think everyone else in these movie these shows are very much B list actors who don't really get to anchor movies. But that's a, that's a side note. I, I think I, I think Oscar Isaac is a bigger deal than anyone in, in these Disney Plus <laughs> shows that are based off the movies. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, but yeah. Um, yeah, Dead Vision, he's awesome. Great moment. I loved it. Do you want to talk about Jimmy Woo some more? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's,
1: let's uh, go to uh, Woo and Darcy, which I, I have written down here. Woo and Darcy, exclamation yeah. point. I I knew that I was going to like Jimmy Woo. I, I, Jimmy I, Woo. I, I liked him in... Uh, in ant-man 2 and i think that's the only only, MCU the only thing film he's that been he's in. been in yeah. yeah um so uh so yeah i definitely liked him being in there and the him finally mastering the card trick was yeah. a really nice uh, just the connectivity of the mcu is very very much appreciated um yeah. so so yeah it's been a while since we've since we've seen him since well. uh 2000, 2018
0: that's not too long not like the darcy drought we... well, <laughs> that's true. true that's the true. darcy drought was way worse thor 2 when you laugh when you last
1: see uh, jane reunited with thor and then
0: i i i like Gone. the uh i like how the uh, mcu has chosen to randomly make thor too hyper relevant even though no one likes, I, I don't know anyone, including like Massive MCU. If you ask a Massive MCU fan what the worst MCU movie, they're going to say is Thor 2. Like, without a question, they're going to be like, nah, Thor 2 is pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> but in the case of uh, in Endgame, and now, well, Endgame, Thor 2 is relevant. And this is just Darcy's last scene in Thor 2. Uh, but yeah. I guess I liked seeing Darcy again. I don't know. I've never had a strong feeling one way or the other towards Darcy. Yeah. I know a lot of people hated her at the time of the first two Thor movies. But I think that was more because she represents the fact that the movies were more focused on Earth than on Asgard. I think it has little to do with her as a character. Uh, and she was fine here. I'm still not in love with the character. Uh, I thought Monica made a really great first impression for The Little. We get to see her with Jimmy. And then, of course, I love Randall Park. I love Jimmy Woo. And I, and I think I mentioned this before, that I think it's very fitting that... Uh, it's I think it's Kat Dennings is uh, Darcy. yeah, And Jimmy Woo is, of course, Randall Park. Uh, I think it's very fitting they're in this, because their biggest roles have been in Two Broke Girls and Fresh Off the Boat, which were two pretty big sitcoms of the last decade. Uh, so them popping up in this is like oh that makes sense and I like that in a way it's kind of subverting that too because at least so far they haven't been in the sitcom world I don't think they will be I I think after Monica comes back they're not gonna send anyone to the sitcom world uh, without protection did you know did
1: you see did you see on the board that oh um, i want to talk Wu about was writing he and he says why sitcoms so yeah. it just i just find it it's ironic that these two are both from big sitcoms and then he's like why sitcoms but uh <laughs> it reminds me yeah. of like
0: in zoolander why male models why sitcoms <laughs> <laughs> um i want i think the board the board scene is a, it's not a scene it's in a montage but i think it's pretty yeah. because as i said at the beginning of this episode we are all randall park it felt incredibly like uh, uh, the people behind – I don't want to say Kevin Feige, but like Matt Shackman who directed this and the woman who's the head story writer who I don't want to try to pronounce her name because I know I'll mispronounce it. Uh, but I, feel, I felt like this was – it was very much meant to be like, yeah, we know this is an MCU show. And people are going to be like ridiculously overanalyzing these first three episodes that are just sitcoms. <laughs> and we're going to put that in the show. And we're going to have Randall Park do it. With um, cat things, and I just really liked it. I thought it was funny, but yeah, in a very I, meta sense.
1: Yeah, it was a very very meta. Uh, Darcy's Darcy's one-liners were okay. So in Thor and Thor two, I thought she was better in Thor two, um, but because I if. She felt very much more integrated into the script for By the time, time it, that she's actually in in the script. I was gonna say um, I feel
0: like she's better in Thor two just because Thor two is so boring, and she brings a little excitement to the a scene little life to it. it, a little life to it. <laughs> but
1: uh, but it uh, yeah in the first in the first Thor I was actually I I was an annoyed. When she had different lines. But that's because I've never necessarily been a fan for one-liners. Um, uh, But they were very welcome in this episode. And I think that's because they are very... One-liners are very sitcom in nature. And that just relates so well to what we've had with the past three episodes in this series so far. as Maybe. As them being portrayed as
0: sitcoms. My response to that is also kind of my response to the episode at all is that I don't actually think of one-liners as sitcom in nature. I think of them as they're very Marvel in nature. Like, every Marvel movie has one-liners in it. Uh, and to me, this episode, again, me being always, I'm like the guy who's like, yeah, I don't really like Marvel stuff. I think it's really, really generic and, yeah, sometimes blah, blah, blah. What, but,
1: what, is, what is what
0: is that voice? Is that that's is that a, Marvel just, fan? it's Marvel Hater Hater. it's a Marvel Marvel Hater Hater. (laughs) yeah yeah remember I was like it it sucks it's all bad but anyway um, (laughs) this reminded me that like okay yeah probably if I really ruminate on this I'll be like it was a little generic at points but again we've gone 18 months about Marvel and these first three episodes as much as I liked how weird they were this was a very much more stock Marvel which you get too much of it, it's bad. But yeah. for twenty minutes, I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. this is comfort food to me in a way. And we got new stuff in it too. Even though it wasn't like we got what looks to be a massive, a major character in the MCU going forward with Monica's real introduction here. Uh, which Tiana Paris, she probably did the best in this episode, even though she's only in it for like five minutes because that cold open is entirely on her acting. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the scene she has afterwards where she's like talking to the, the person who got promoted over her cuz she was dead for 5 years but um but yeah uh, anyway yeah i liked Wu and darcy being here i like i like jimmy woo in general i think jimmy woo if they really wanted to they could make jimmy woo be like the michael kane of marvel movies and pop from and every one of them uh, or, like, the guy from Pixar. You know what I mean? Like, he needs to be in every Marvel movie. Uh, just have the Guardians randomly abduct him and be like, this guy's just sitting in the back of our is, car.
1: Is he going to take the Stanley cameos
0: now? Uh, I, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> is, is that I what love you want? Although, I did like the idea I read recently where it was like, we're going to have J.K. Simmons do that. Where J.K. Simmons will be the new Stanley and just be have J. Jonah Jameson pop up in every one of these reporting. And they'd be like, yeah, I'd be okay with that. That'd be fun. Oh, my Oh, my goodness. Uh, but I don't think that will happen, but that's, it'd be funny. But yeah, I I thought that bringing in these characters from Thor and Ant-Man was nice. And from Captain Marvel for Monica. And it really sold the interconnectivity of the world, which is sometimes a negative in the MCU. But for this, it worked because none of these people, as far as we know, have superpowers. uh, And it made sense to be working together, uh, especially when they're watching Wanda vision, and being incredibly confused by it uh, yeah I, and i also I, want to point out before we sorry i want to point out one thing really well actually no what were you gonna say sorry going, i
1: was going to expand on how you said you were talking about the interconnectivity
0: yeah and
1: usually when people have crossed over i mean phase one we got colson and uh
0: the uh, Hawkeye here, cameo and Thor, got, yeah, right? Uh. <laughs> we got,
1: but most of the time, when you get cameos throughout the rest of the MCU, it's heroes crossing over into other heroes' films. Where mm-hmm. here, like you said, we got side characters crossing all you know, uh, interacting with each other, and that was that was really that was really appreciated. I appreciated that. Um, it just, yeah. yeah, that is like it's like building building a roof you know the heroes are the foundation but then the they're the frame but then all the coverings are like the are the side actors and it just it built out the house really nice if my analogy makes makes sense there
0: no no i get i get what you're saying it was great it was a great i I liked it a ton uh yeah uh what was i gonna say oh what I was going to say... Is, I agree with everything you just said, to be clear. I'm not just dismissing it. I I'm just like I have nothing to add. Uh, but I, I want to say... Don't,
1: don't believe well, you, Danny. We're oh. going to have... We're at the box after this.
0: I think it's funny how last week... Uh, I was complaining a ton about how... We didn't have enough Agnes this week. And this week we had, like, no Agnes. And I'm, like, totally fine with it. <laughs> like, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Oh, but what do you think... We don't have this on our list of topics. But what do you think about the implication that um, we there are more episodes of WandaVision we have not seen. Because they keep talking about how there's a new episode and there's another new episode airing. You know what I mean? What are, you, what are you talking about? So when Darcy's watching it, she's like, oh, there's Geraldine. No, not Geraldine. There's Monica. She hasn't been in one of these yet. And it's a shot we haven't seen from any of the episodes we've seen before. So it implied that there were episodes of... Because... To me, it also wasn't implying there were reruns. It was implying to me that basically it was like the Truman Show. It was a twenty-four-seven uh, sitcom just airing. Other then, of yeah. course, probably when uh, Vision and Wanda were asleep. That's probably when the credit. Well, no, because then it's weird because the credits roll. I don't know. I guess it's, this is me. This is kind of me getting cinema cine on it. It's like, how does this work? Uh, I don't understand. Did, well, I need really... everything explained.
1: Well, no, no you're you're making a you're making a point there. Um, I I think that we we are seeing all of the main the main points yeah. um, that we need to see for for the overall story. But I think on Darcy's end, I think like you said, it's just the Truman Show. It's just twenty four seven, just this constant sitcom, no matter what decade it's supposed to go into. Uh, Darcy did point out that. When something
0: uh, traumatic happens, the decades change. And she also pointed out that the color thing is something that they see on the show, too. I feel like those are both two very important uh, things. Which is why I I honestly was a little surprised at the end of the episode. Because as you said, we end exactly where episode three ended. I was surprised that we didn't get to see it becoming the 80s. Just so that we were moved on. Like we moved forward a bit. But I presume the next episode will – the- I wouldn't be surprised if the next episode – I well, I was surprised just because from the marketing, I don't think there's been much released from the 80s episode. So that makes me think we're going to go for the 80s super quick. Yeah. Uh, and then I think the 90s will be the Halloween stuff. And then I think we'll go for the 2000s and 2010s pretty quick as well. Uh, I'm excited for the 2000s though. Because uh, I I won't say it because I I don't think you want to be spoiled. But I found out what the two thousands episode is going to be based off of, and I'm just like, please give it to me. I'm ready for it. I actually watched this show a ton, uh-huh. but anyway, uh, I hope they don't gloss over it now that I know what it is. Because I'm like, yes, please.
1: Because now you have this. Ex- now you're expecting, expecting yeah. this thing.
0: <laughs> Granted, though, also it's possible to me that we haven't seen a lot of the eighties and the other stuff because there might be new characters coming in who we are not aware of. Uh, For example, like a Quicksilver or Ultron showed up. Right. That might be also why there's a lot of stuff hidden from the later episodes in the marketing. Uh, Well, rather, stuff from the sitcom stuff in the marketing. I also think, well, to be honest, I also think because I think, as I've said, the kids move quickly in age. I think the marketing is trying to hide that those kids are going to be like five or six pretty early. Uh, But... Anyway, did you want to talk about, I think, uh, let's talk about Wanda. I think that's the last well, thing we really have to talk about. A couple well, stuff about Wanda. Uh, I
1: wanted wanted to, you talked about Agnes for a little bit, and I wanted to touch touch back on that real quick. Okay. Uh, so when they were putting the, when Darcy and Wu are putting the board together, and they're naming, they're basically naming the cast of Wanda, WandaVision, everyone in this reality, was Agnes on there?
0: Agnes wasn't, and I don't believe Dottie was either. Mm. Uh, but I'm more interested in Agnes personally. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, they couldn't figure out who Agnes was or who Dotty was.
1: Because that that I thought that uh, was very interesting. In that maybe it gives more more. Yeah, I don't want to say that it supports the theory that Agnes is a witch. I'm pretty sure Agnes is a witch. Um,
0: Agnes is involved definitely. Yeah. 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 I don't know if she was one. Was like, oh, Wanda, why don't you go steal Vision's corpse? I I don't I don't think that is true. Um, perhaps she's someone who Wanda discovered, like, was a necromancer or something like that. I, I say that because earlier today I watched a, an episode of What We Do in the Shadows about necromancers, so they're on my mind. <laughs> but. You know, that's very possible too. And has
1: got necromancers on the mind. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Ne- the necromancer, what we do in the shadows, sidebar, is played by Bendik Wong, who is Wong and Doctor Strange. What? <laughs> Connections. It's all connected. The MCU is everything. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, yeah, I think Agnes is definitely involved. I'm curious. In the, I'm honestly more curious about Dottie because I kind of wrote her off. But the fact that she wasn't figured out might be a deal too.
1: She could be. Dottie could also be a witch as well. Um, yeah. Uh, in the comics, Agnes is part of a coven of of sorts, and so Dottie could be a part. Well, of that of that. Well, coven. okay,
0: okay. We need to be clear <laughs> there on Agnes. Uh, the peep, the person who people are assuming Agnes is, who is, I I don't think we've mentioned it directly on the show. We um, haven't. Yeah, uh, but people are assuming have been assuming for a while that she's a character named Agatha Harkness, who I have no idea who she is, really. I was just like, oh, I guess that would make sense considering her name is Agnes, but then I've purposely done absolutely no research on what that character is in the MCU, because you know me, I have very little interest in any of this until it's actually relevant. since it's, it's, it's still a mystery right now in the show, and I'm like, well, I think it's very... I think even if it is Ag- Agatha Harkness, I think it's po- very likely the show just keeps calling her Agnes, kind of like how yeah. uh, Zendaya plays MJ in Spider-Man, even though she's Michelle, but she's M- she's Mary Jane, you know? Right. Uh, like So that to me is like, mm. but yeah, I get what you're saying. Sorry. Uh, very possible that she's in cahoots with, well, Dottie's in cahoots of her.
1: Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, but- with...
0: You would. You were wanting to talk about Wanda. Yeah. So you know how last week we were like, "Whoa, that rewind was different, right?" With mm-hmm. uh, the Vision thing, I think it was interesting. Then in this episode, first off, we didn't see the rewind again, but to me, the episode also implies that the rewind appeared the same way it did for us that it did for uh, Darcy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so
1: I. I think what we. What that would make me think that. Everything that Darcy sees on the television is what we watched, as well.
0: Well, besides the ending, besides the end point with the yeah, uh, the uh, what do you call it? Besides the end point with Monica, uh, mm-hmm. which the aspect ratio shift so good. I loved seeing the sitcom world in the um, cinematic style. Um, and I like that we saw the scene from last episode play out longer. I did too. A ton yeah uh, yeah that definitely, of course we got dead vision there too so I was like, <laughs> yes, that
1: animation. definitely definitely showed us that wanda is controlling is definitely in control of the reality um i see my my thing is because i still want this mephisto my my mephisto theory to be true um <laughs> so i'm looking for i'm looking for every way for it to be true but uh but I want to know, did she learn how to do this from someone else? Or did Wanda, like we had talked about in the first episode, that her powers, that uh, she unlocked powers uh, beyond what she can truly control um, it in Infinity War when she <laughs> destroyed see- that stone she's a
0: she's apparently like bringing vision to life right now so i can definitely say she <laughs> has more power than i could than i've given to her before right she can necromance. uh so <laughs> but uh, uh but yeah
1: i mean it it could be agnes mephisto baron mordo if she learned from anyone i don't well no i want to say be something learning it from baron mordo Unless Baron Mordo, it would be wanting to manipulate her to destroy um, everything else. Oh. Which uh, also, I just remembered something from the episode. Uh, when Darcy first gets to, when she first arrives to the Sword Camp, she talks about um, this radiation that's there, and they say, "Well, is this is?" Or I thought the radiation was uh, was safe, and she said, "Yeah, at the low levels that it's at." but implying that if it gets to be at higher levels, that... It
0: could expand,
1: right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's a bubble yeah. that will
0: grow. I think what was interesting was also uh, with... Well, Mephisto, I actually want to I wanna support your Mephisto theory for once. <laughs> I, I, w- I will
1: hear you. Please begin. <laughs> uh, because the
0: one thing I know about Mephisto that I haven't mentioned before, but I know... This is something I think... If, the average person has heard of Mephisto, this is what they think of, is Mephisto is the person who like, Peter Parker sold his soul to the devil to bring Mm -hmm. back Aunt May. And to me, I was thinking like, you know, very possible that like, Wanda's like, uh, I sold my soul for uh, a family. Very possible I could see that. And and, And Mephisto could be like, yeah, I'll bring back Vision, but you gotta stay in this town. I could see that, uh, judging off of what I know about him being like, yeah, I'll bring back your aunt for you, but you gotta not be married to Mary Jane, <laughs> which is a very stupid story, uh, even without me reading comics, I know it's a very dumb story, and a dumb justification, but anyway, uh, but yeah, I was like, yeah, I guess I would check out the Mephisto thing, uh. But, yeah, I don't know. I feel like this episode very purposely does not move forward the Wanda mystery. Yeah. Instead, giving us answers on what's going on outside mm-hmm. and letting us being able to continue the show with outside perspective. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's essentially the episode. And let's something else you want to talk about. Besides, I want to talk about the credits, but... Sure. Honestly, we have to end with talking about the credits. I can't be like, well, let's talk about the credits. We're going to go back to the middle of the episode. Uh, well, I don't know. You don't watch the credits of the show. I love watching MCU. Cre- well, it's not even an MCU thing. I like watching movie credits in general until like it starts scrolling. Once it starts scrolling, I'm like, all right, I can leave or I can turn this off. Uh, and I, this is just something to me that it's more of a joke than anything. It's not actually analyzing is that the episodes have switched off. Who's build first. Uh, so, like, the first one was Elizabeth Olsen was built first. Second one, Paul Bettany was built first. They've been switching it off. And what cracked me up for this one is, like, the credits go, Paul Bettany, Elizabeth Olsen, Tiana Paris. And I'm like, all right, well, those first two were barely in this. <laughs> and I think even Ca- – I think Catherine Hahn still got her credit. I'm like, I'm pretty sure the only time we saw Catherine Hahn was when they were watching her a clip that we'd seen the previous episode. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, that's just something I noticed. I was like, ha, ha, ha. Funny thing also i noticed that i think kat dennings got the whiff credit and i was very confused on how she has the clout i, for I that. was too yeah oh so you watch the credit okay i yeah no, i, I watch
1: like... i watch i always watch them through through until they start scrolling and then i usually because i'm like if they're gonna yeah, do yeah, a yeah. mid-credit scene they'll do it after after or right before they start scrolling so and, and speaking I... of
0: which then then you've watched these sequence then i want to bring up something else quick which is the sudden appearance of dead Vision in the credits this time. And I was just like, oh, dead Vision's black. He's, I saw him two minutes ago, but there he is again. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, that, that, that was a Marvel hater who really likes the idea of Vision being dead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, we, have, we have two Marvel haters. <laughs> yeah. Marvel hater impressions. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So, so moving forward, episode five. Um, I predict, I predict we'll get 80s. I think we'll get 80s yeah, and the we'll next move next into episode. 90s. Gotcha. Uh, I
0: don't think necessarily think we'll move past the 90s. I still don't think we're at the Halloween episode yet. I think we've got development to get through first on the kids. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to get Monica debriefed and maybe Monica has a plan to re-infiltrate and Monica, Jimmy, and Darcy will have a plan to re-infiltrate. Which won't be put into effect till the next episode, which would be the Halloween episode.
1: Oh, speaking um, of uh, infiltrate, the beekeeper, which was the sword jump agent, rope. who who then was turned into the beekeeper in the reality. What? I, I don't know. I'm. <laughs> I wonder what happened to him. Yeah, this I wonder what happened a... because he didn't return. He did not Maybe return. Maybe he's dead. And they were Maybe. concerned about one agent. They said, "I don't think we should send anybody else in there because one agent hasn't returned back." And they got their one agent back. Well, I, I get, the, guy? I get the
0: impression that Monica is very important. Yeah, uh, having yeah. being, uh, regardless of anything that she's done, she is the daughter of the founder of the entire organization. Uh, so, kind of awkward if we lost but, her.
1: But what if Beekeeper has a family, Danny? What what if beekeeper's family? You is remind waiting. me of that. Uh,
0: have you ever seen? I don't think it's actually in the movie, but there's a deleted Austin Powers scene from the first movie where it's like, you know, if you you've seen Austin Powers, right?
1: Yeah. Are you talking about when they run when they run the guy? Over yeah, with the, yeah. When they yeah, run the guy, with, is that with, actually with
0: in the movie? The that's not deleted. Machinery. Is that not?
1: I think it's in the movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, that's, that's what you remind me of. Is like they should do that in the MCU. Just show like. Iron Man shooting, like, a guy who's working for the bad guy in the face and then just cuts to his family getting the phone call. I hate to tell you this, but Tony Stark killed you and then, like, ten y- killed your dad and then, like, ten years from now, that person could be a bad guy in a Spider-Man movie. You know? Sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tony Stark spilled his drink on me in a casino <laughs> 15 years ago. <laughs> And now I must kill love Spider-Man. The,
0: but the one compliment I'll give Far From Home this episode is the ridiculous Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> monologue he gives. Where he's like, Tony Stark drawing me this way, and then he wronged you that way, and then it's like this awkward zoom-ins. Ah, love it. Best scene in Far From Home is <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal hamming it up. Uh, but anyway, prediction. those are my predictions. <laughs> 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 my prediction is that someone out of this will become a Spider-Man villain 10 years down the line. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right. Well, that'll wrap up this week's episode of why is with Ty and Dan, you can catch us on Spotify, Apple podcasts, or on our website. Why is with You
0: can also follow us on Twitter at why is and one, because I'm number one. You can also follow me on my Letterboxed. uh, Danny Vincent's letterbox, which is blank mints, uh, with an E, I guess. Cause I guess that kind of sounds like blank mints, like a breath mint, but anyway, you can follow me there. If you want to see my opinions on movies that aren't Marvel movies, like boy state or the other stuff I saw this week, uh, Tyler, you should get a letterbox at some point, but we know you're not going to, mm. <laughs> uh, and yeah, we'll see you next week. Uh, yeah, more WandaVision more randall park hopefully fingers crossed give me more randall park uh peace out peace